0: Everybody, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Sorry, Delamotte here. Welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. We're going to start with a reader shout out from trialguides.com. This one is by Patrick M. He titles it Very Wise and Practical Teacher of the Rhetorical Arts. Since I met Sari at Lummy Island several years ago, I have followed her very useful and well thought out counsel on the best means of communicating with a group of persons, particularly a gathering of strangers who are appearing reluctantly under a sense of duty to make the most important decision in my client's life for the moment. Sari is, I don't know how to say this word, indefatigable, (laughs) even as she deals with current health challenge to educate, encourage, and guide those of us who fight for people in courtrooms in need and need to make juries our allies in that fight. Semper Fi, Patrick McClain. Well, thank you, Patrick, so much for your review. I so appreciate you and all of you who are are reviewing the book. We're now at 88 reviews. Hopefully more by the time this podcast drops. We're, of course, as you've heard me say many times before, hoping for 100 reviews to be the first ever Trial Guides book to reach 100 reviews. We are currently the most highly reviewed book at Trial Guides. So I thank you so much for that and helping that dream come true for me. I really, really appreciate you. All righty. Well, today we're talking about how to create a kick-ass teaching section and so I'm going to walk you through an actual uh, winning opening statement in terms of the teaching section and the different parts of the teaching section and uh, before we do that I know that many of you have been following me for years and, and are possibly familiar with the teaching section of the opening but for those of you who are not let me do a quick review so in the nine-piece template that I teach, the first part is the hook. That's the, the way that we bring the jurors in. That's normally an opening rule. Sometimes it's it's what we call a compelling statement or an impactful statement. Sometimes it's a statistic. Uh, sometimes it's more than one rule. But there's a hook that gets jurors focused and interested. And right after that section, we have the educate the jury section, or what I call the teaching section um, for short. Once we have the teaching section, we then tell the defendant's story, you know, and why I always talk about this as the teaching section is what should have happened and the story of what the defendant's conduct was is what did happen and those two things juxtaposed against each other, then help the jury put A plus B together so that they convince themselves what the wrongdoing is. So by the time you get to the fourth section of the template, which is why we're here, the jurors can stand up and say, I know why you're here. I always say that a jury cannot properly um, judge conduct without context. Meaning when we go from the rule into the story without a teaching section, the jurors are often wondering, I, I don't know, is that a bad thing to do? Is that the right thing to do? I don't I don't know what what I'm supposed to think about this this conduct. Sometimes it is it is absolutely glaringly obvious, but most of the time it's not. And so that teaching section gives much needed context for the story that you're about to tell. So in today's podcast episode, I want to walk you through how to put together a kick-ass teaching section, and talk to you about some of the elements I use and when I'm coaching the H2H members and the crew, what I'm constantly telling them. By the way, we are going to be reopening the H2H crew in October so if you've been meaning to get in and you just haven't had a chance, go to FromHostageToHero.com to sign up for the waitlist. Or if you're like, what is this crew? What is this all about? You can go over there and read about it. Here's the basic gist, is that it is a place for a community of trial lawyers who are on a mission to change the way trial law is done and trial law is practiced by becoming sane, quite frankly, <laughs> by stopping all of the madness and the self-doubt doubt and the questioning and really just learning how to be who they are, fulfilled individuals. That's a huge part of it. Get their mind right and have a place to practice the skills. You're going to love it. So make sure that you do not miss the October opening. All right. So here's what I want you to be thinking about as you are creating your teaching section. I want you to start by thinking of your story. Yes, your story. So if you go back and you listen to the podcast episode, oh boy, now I'm going to not remember what number it is. Let me see if I still have it open. Uh, Oh, I do. Number 83, which is teaching versus storytelling. If you go back to that podcast episode, you'll hear me talk about how you shouldn't be teaching when you're telling the story. So sometimes when you're creating a teaching section, it's important that you do the story first so that you catch yourself at every opportunity trying to explain something and you pull that out and put it in the teaching section instead. In addition, what you want to do when you're starting with the story, and you don't have to start with the story, but this is a great way to do it, is to be thinking as you're telling the story about all the wrongdoing, what would be the right way to do it? Because that's really what we're after when we're putting the teaching section together. What's the right way to do heart surgery? What's the right way to operate a car? What's the right way to operate a semi-truck on ice? What's the right way to... Um, process claims, which is what we're going to talk about today in a UIM case. So what we're after in the teaching section, again, is what should have happened. So as you go through and you you think about what, and either you're just thinking about it or you're putting your story together, what the wrongdoing was, start asking yourself, what's the right way to do this? And that's the beginning of our teaching section. Now, once you have the right way to do it, I like to use the rule of threes because the rule of three is really easy for jurors to remember. There are three things that you have to remember about heart surgery, about operating an 18 wheeler on ice, about operating a car, whatever it may be. It's easy to remember things in threes. And if you can get those three things to start with the same letter, even better, but that's not something that has to happen. So don't go crazy over that if you can't find, you know, three w- words that all start with the same letter. But that's also helpful for jurors to be reminded about as they're going through, um, as you're going through your teaching section. Now, as you go through the teaching section and you talk about the three things that a doctor must do to prevent some X thing from happening, or you're talking about the three things every driver must do to avoid a crash. You're talking about the three things an 18-wheeler must do, or a driver of an 18-wheeler must do to make sure that a crash does not happen in icy conditions. One of the things that I consistently see people forget is this piece, what I call expert language. So it's not enough to say, Here's the first thing that a doctor needs to do. Here's the second thing a doctor needs to do. And here's a third thing the doctor needs to do. No, when you're teaching, you have to have the piece that says, this is important because. Now, that is really the teaching part of the teaching section. It's not enough to just deliver information. You have to tell the jury why that information is important. So you say, a doctor must do X. This is important because if a doctor doesn't do X, Y could happen. Could be that simple. But you have to have that piece of this is important because. Now, before I I give you more information on the kick-ass teaching section, let me give you um, an example, I'm going to actually read it from an opening I helped create several years ago in an insurance case. And, uh, we'll start with the opening rule or the hook, and then we'll go to the education or the, the teaching section. I want you to see how these things work and I'll stop here and there to kind of point them out. So here is our opening rule in this case. People buy insurance for protection. The insurance company in return promises by contract to protect them if something bad happens. When something bad does happen, the insurance company must keep its promise. Now, I want you to notice something. I know we're not talking today about the hook, but I want you to notice how we've kept out the names of anyone in our opening rule. Insurance companies, what that does is says this rule is so widespread that It applies to all insurance companies. So that that takes out any of the thinking on the jurors' part that we're attacking this poor little insurance company and holding them to a standard that no one else has held to. Use insurance companies, doctors, drivers, spread those tentacles of danger. Make this applicable across the board. All right, here's the education section. To do your jobs as jurors, you're going to have to need or you're going to need to know how insurance works. Insurance is unlike any other business. For example, when you buy a car, you get to drive that car right away. When you buy a house, you get to move in. But when you buy insurance, what you're buying is a promise. That promise says that if you ever need protection, the insurance company will be here for you. All transactions take trust you trust the car you bought isn't a lemon or that the house you bought sits on a firm foundation but when you buy insurance it takes an extra level of trust because what you're buying is a what if i'm going to stop there and and say that hopefully you've already had this conversation in Voidir. so this isn't new when you ask jurors how how is insurance unlike anything else that you buy. Hopefully they will have given you some of this. That goes back to that whole idea of the trial dialogue. So I just want to be careful. This would work also if you were in federal court and you didn't have Wadir or if you're in a state that doesn't have Wadir, don't get me wrong, but it's so much stronger if you've sourced it from the jurors first. That's a whole other podcast episode, but I just want to point that out. Continuing with the education section. People trust their insurance companies. They rely on them for help when they're most vulnerable. They expect their insurance companies will act according to the terms of the contract and do what they promise to do. You've probably seen the insurance ad that says, you work hard to achieve your dreams. We work hard to protect them. That is the promise. With your money, you essentially prepay for protection in the event that you'll need it. Some people choose to buy small amounts of insurance. They're risking that nothing bad will happen to them. Others buy a lot of insurance because they want the maximum protection. Once you buy insurance, you have certain rights. Okay, now here's where we start with the three things. First, if you are injured, you have the right to a thorough and prompt investigation. Now, if I was coaching this trial attorney in real time, I would have them write that word investigation on a flip chart uh, by the insurance company. This is important because it would be very easy For an insurance company to deny your claim just because or to drag on an investigation for months and months without giving you an answer. So there's that this is important because piece. Okay, so it's not it's much stronger to say this is important versus just saying first you they should investigate. Tell me why they should investigate. Give me a reason why. Insurance companies investigate claims in a variety of ways. They may obtain police reports, conduct witness interviews, get sworn statements, use in-house medical services, conduct medical review consultations, uh, meaning sending medical documents out for a doctor's consultation, uh, require an independent medical examination. They do some or all of these things to safeguard both sides against over or underpaying claims. Next, so now we're on the number two you have a right to a calculation of benefits due to you. So I'd have them write that down on a flip chart. Based on the insurance company's investigation, they must then calculate how much your injury has cost you up to this point, how much will it cost to get you back on your feet, and how much it will cost to make sure you are taken care of in the future. This is important because insurance customers pay in advance for protection, and that protection, once needed, must be complete. Without this rule, an insurance company could make up a number they feel is fair and the insured person would just have to accept it. No questions asked. Finally, now we're on to number three, you have the right to communication from the insurance company. And again, I'd write that down. Whatever calculation they come up with, they need to communicate how and why they came up with that number. If they deny your claim, they have to explain why. For example, if an insurance customer makes a claim for $1,000 for a new roof based on an estimated estimate received from a contractor, the insurance company must not place a $300 value on the roof without a proper explanation. The insurance company may have valid reasons for the deduction and those reasons must be clearly explained to the customer. If not, this leaves room for abuse. Now, If you've ever bought car insurance, you've probably been offered the option of buying what is called underinsured motorist coverage. From now on, we'll call it UIM. UIM insurance protects you in the event that the other driver is underinsured. For example, if someone is careless and crashed into you and you get hurt, then the careless driver's insurance has to pay up to the amount of insurance the careless driver purchased. But if that insurance isn't enough to cover your losses, then your UIM insurance covers the gap. Now let me tell you what happened in this case. All right, so we've set the stage that the insurance company must do three things. They must investigate, they must calculate, and they must communicate. And notice how those things don't all start with the same letter, but I like how they all start or end with eight, (laughs) right? Investigate, calculate, communicate. So that's another way that you can play with that. But Now we're gonna tell the story, and we're gonna one of the reasons we threw in the UIM at the end is because we're gonna use UIM, and instead of slowing down our story by going, oh, and here's what UIM means, we put it in the teaching section again to keep our story clean. Go back to that podcast episode of storytelling versus teaching. I talk about keeping the story clean. So that's one of the reasons we threw in the UIM. Now I'm not going to read you the story because this, we're not talking about storytelling today. But the the attorney in this case then went and told the story, and the story then showed how the insurance company did not follow these rules, and that's why we're here today. In fact, when you go to the "Why We're Here" section, that's when you tie back uh, what you just said in teaching to the uh, teaching section. So we said we are suing Acme Insurance Company, I took out the name, um, because they promised by contract to protect Mary Smith if something bad happened. When something bad did happen, Acme Insurance Company did not keep their promise. So notice how we went back to the hook and we now personalized it to the plaintiff and to the insurance company. Now notice how we go back to those three things and nail them to them. First, Acme Insurance Company did not thoroughly and properly investigate. When fo- within 48 hours of the injury, Joe Smith, Mary Smith's husband sent uh, Acme Insurance Company a medical authorization so they could do the blah, blah blah blah, but they didn't. So we have all this reasons of why they never did it. Okay, then we said next we are suing Acme Insurance Company because they did not properly calculate benefits. The evidence will show that Acme Insurance Company's last calculation of Mrs. Smith's losses was $155,000, but Mrs. Smith's losses were much more than $155,000, but Acme Insurance Company Insurance refused to investigate her claim properly and assess her total losses. And then we talk a little bit more about why that is. Finally, we are suing Acme Insurance Company because Acme Insurance Company did not communicate their reasons for how they calculated Mrs. Smith's benefits. The evidence will show that after months of sending medical records and requests, and even requests to Acme Insurance Company to explain um, how they came up to, with their calculation, they never responded, and so on and so forth. So when you're when you're when you're putting your teaching section together, again, you want to look at your story for all of the things that they didn't do, and you want to put that in your teaching section as things all insurance companies must do. You also want to put anything in your teaching section that you're going to have to t- to explain, like terms, UIM. So if you want to use UIM for shorthand in your story, explain it in your teaching section before you go there. But then once you're done with the teaching section and you tell your story and you come to the who we're suing and why, or what I call the why we're here section, now you go back to the teaching section and connect how the insurance company did not do those things. You just showed the jury and the story, but now, so we confirm everybody's, suspicions (laughs) and sanity, we're going to actually put A plus B equals C. We're going to actually walk them through it um, instead of just showing them. And that really locks down your liability. So to wrap up, how do you create a kick-ass teaching section? First off, take a look at what the wrongdoing was and ask yourself, how would this be done right? If possible, Try to come up with three rules, and if you can, have those rules either rhyme or be similar words or start with the same letter. Not always possible, but if possible, have you do that. As you're describing the rules, make sure you have a piece in there that says this is important because that's that expert language. Finally, when you get to the why we're here section after the defendant's story, come back to the teaching section and walk jurors through how the defendant violated those three things that you clearly outlined in the teaching section. I talk a lot more about this in the book, From Hostage to Hero. If you've not gotten your copy yet, go to trialguides.com and grab your copy today. And if you've read the book, please give us a review. Hope that's helpful. Talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me today. If you benefited from what we talked about or just want to let me know you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and leave me a review on whichever platform you use to listen to From Hostage to Hero. Add a comment and I just might give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. In the meantime, head over to fromhostagetohero.com to order your copy of my book, From Hostage to Hero